Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Utah Film Pod. This is episode number three. My name is Josh Terry, and I'm here with Danny Hatch, and we're going to talk about movie stuff. How's it going, Danny? Not uh, that. That was a great question, and um... <laughs> that was a great. <laughs> I got psyched out too. Like I'm just like, man, what if we talk about the weather again? What has the weather been like? I haven't been outside in days. <laughs> I don't blame you. It's been it's been a little crazy and scary lately. Oh, that's true. Have, did you guys get any flooding or anything? No, there was there was no flooding. Uh, just gratitude, gratitude for the moisture, whether <laughs> <laughs> the precipitation or the water. Or My mother-in-law water. actually texted us and said, "I'm so grateful for this moisture," and, and we're just kind of just riffing on that. Cringing. Like, yeah. yeah, why is that a thing? That <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I. It's just a word that, you know, it's there. And it's just become part of the vernacular, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> but no, seriously, it, it's been so nice. This, honestly, this summer has been so miserable in, in yeah. so many. It, it's just been hot and nasty and awful. And, you know, I, I usually try to get outside and, and do a lot of hiking and do a lot of, mm. you know, going out and finding places to take pictures. And I just haven't even wanted to go out. It's just, oh, and my, my lawn is dying. And, Oh, so I, I guess what you could say is it seems like a pretty good summer to go and uh, to sit in an air-conditioned movie theater. So, Ooh, good idea. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now, as I understand it, uh, there are actually some local reasons to consider going to the movies. Is that should we should we jump in on the news there? Yeah, let's do it. Um, and, and I mean that is that is a huge thing. Um, we can throw all our money at Disney and all the new Marvel movies and whatever, but, um, but there are a lot of local films that are lower budget that, you know, there are some really good releases. And um, I, I think we as good Utah citizens should support the local productions too. Right. Um, we're obligated. I, yeah, you're, exactly. Oh, it's, you're, I hope you all feel guilty now and just <laughs> pay those theaters, theaters your money. Um, one movie I haven't seen um, but because it's coming out this weekend, it's called Even in Dreams. It's a movie about a young aspiring artist who is moving to Nashville with her band to start up her music career, be a pop star and all that, right? And part of the plot is that she has this dream with her sister in it who has recently died and um, her sister singing this song. And so, you know, part of the movie is about this girl living her dream, fulfilling her dream, but also fulfilling the dream of her sister from beyond. Um, so that's going to be coming out. That's starring Monica Moore Smith as the main girl, Savannah Osler, who this is a huge passion project for her. She's a writer, director. She plays the sister who has died. And um, we also get some Osmond cameos, Nathan and Eric Osmond. Um, there, <laughs> there's, where are you laughing at that? Is that on the poster? Featuring <laughs> Osmond cameos. Well, um, <laughs> or is that or is that going to be part of the rating? It's rated PG for adult situations and Osmond cameos. Is that I don't know. <laughs> Ooh, that it's a little uh, it, it ups the empty there. Just be aware. <laughs> oh goodness. Um, also in this movie is Tanner Gilman of Studio C fame, and I'm not sure how big of a role he has in even in dreams, but he was in this other movie that I got to see this week that has been out in Utah theaters for a little while, but is now going to be in um, Idaho and Arizona. So anyone out there, look it up because um, it was fabulous. I was really, really surprised with this film. It's called Once I Was Engaged. And for those of you who are familiar with Once I Was a Beehive, um, don't worry, you don't need to really be familiar with it to, to understand the story. Um, but you're returning to the story of the high-strung antagonist of the last film. There's kind of this mother-daughter duo who are like the super Mormony, and we have to go by the rules, and we're going to be all over the top and everything. And so this story follows them as the daughter is going to BYU-Hawaii. She just turned in her mission paper. She has this whole plan. And then her boyfriend of six months decides to propose to her. And so this kind of just flips all her plans upside down. Um, she has to get her mom on board, which that's kind of a tricky situation there. 
Um, but once her mom is on board, you better believe it's going to be the wedding of the century, right? And um, it, it was very fun. I mean, it's, again, that, what, what it made me think of, Josh, is what you said last time with The Chosen, how sometimes okay. the acting in a low-budget movie isn't as great, so, like, that can kind mm. of pull you out of it. Okay. And that's definitely the case here. Not necessarily with the leads. I think, I think they were fabulous. They were, they were really, really good. Um, they just went full in with those characters. But it's more like a lot of supporting roles or background characters. Um, especially, like, you know, people who will show up for, like, one line. You kind of figure, like, oh, that's probably, you know, a, a cousin or friend Somebody's of a friend, brother. you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So it, it, sometimes so that was a little weird. Huh? Okay. Mm-hmm some people who didn't have as much experience landing those comedic lines, but um, everyone else has a lot of experience in that comedic area. And, and it is very funny. Um, I, one of my favorite um, forms of comedy is kind of that self-awareness and especially with like the quote Mormon culture stuff, there's a, there's a lot of fun to be had there. And um, this movie is very, very accurate <laughs> with some of those things. Like, especially right at the start with like the BYU Hawaii and having all the plans and everything. I'm like, Oh, this is, you know, being in that age range, that's a, that's hitting a little, a little too close there for comfort. But, (laughs) um, but it's very, very funny. I went with my husband and um, the theater was kind of empty. We went in the middle of the day. And of course this is more of a local film when there's other films you could go to. And so we were just like, loud kind of talking through it the whole time cracking all these jokes back and forth and it was really really fun um but one of the best parts of how accurate it was was i love how it showed the engagement period and especially again within this cultural lens because they have like a two-month period to plan this whole thing out and to do all the traditions and everything and i i think this movie also nailed um, very healthy modeling of crucial conversations that I think everyone should have with, you know, when you get engaged with your fiance, okay. with your parents, you know, even though chaos is of course going to ensue because it's a rom-com, right? Um, it, it was still it, very, it, it had a practical use. It was, a, <laughs> there are, there are instructions in, embedded here. <laughs> Exactly. So I no, should say but that's exactly how I feel. Yeah. yeah. Well, I should say I, I haven't seen the movie. Now I did see once I was a beehive several years ago and enjoyed that one quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very now, much that same feel. Well, and I want I wanted to ask a question because you know obviously not having seen it, the new movie, I believe the the protagonist has changed, right? Because the the mm-hmm. girl who was the protagonist in the first film, the beehive film. She's not the one who's engaged in the second film, right? Yeah. So do you remember um, the camp leader girl who was kind of like the bad guy? Oh, yeah. In it, sort of? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the one who gets engaged. Okay. Okay. Three. Yeah. So, so there is kind of a, a character shift in terms of like the protagonist role, but it's still, it's still, same, it's still the same characters and actors as the first film. The, the focus has changed. Paris Warner, who was the lead in Once I Was a Beehive, she does come back. And she's okay. one of the bridesmaids. So, like, you, yeah, you get to see a lot of the old cast. She was great. And, and she's really, really good in this one, too. And that's another conversation, like, talking with your friends to get a little bit of grounding. Because, you know, you could be off in la-la land planning your wedding. But having your friends kind of pointing out, like, hey, you know what? Maybe let's look at this. And so she, she does have a good role in this movie as well. Okay. Um, but with that, with that change in protagonist, though, it is a little sillier and a little more like in your face than the last one like the last one i feel like was more sub- subtle because the protagonist was very mellow you know right she's kind of right. chill i mean that was kind of the idea was that she's kind of this laid-back person in this very <laughs> yes. eccentric over-the-top situation yes. yeah and yeah so i could i could see that being being different so now the other the other question i have about it though is how how would this stack up compared not just to once i was a beehive but to other similar movies that have examined, you know, different aspects of, of like church related culture, you know, cause there's a lot, you know, there, but I mean, it's been, they've been making them for 20 years plus now. Yeah. And, and just because, because one of the things I specifically remember about once I was at beehive was that it, 
it came across quite well. Like I, I felt like it mm-hmm. stacked up. It was, it was one of the better uh, in the range. Yeah, no, th- this one I definitely feel is, is high up in the range um, in a different way than the last one. I think the last one did a great job of being more accessible to those who might not be members. Whereas this one, like occasionally a throw in like, oh, well, this is what a temple is and, you know, stuff like that. But the jokes come flying so quick where you kind of have to know a lot of the lingo, I think, oh, okay. in order to get it. Um, but I, th- I think there's still something there for, for anyone. This one feels more, I'm going to try and make a comparison here. I hope I can explain it. I feel like once I was a beehive was more like best two years. And then once I was engaged is more like singles ward. Okay. That where makes it's sense. like singles ward is hilarious. It's classic. It's iconic. And I feel like this one is kind of like that. Um, right. but it's more like, it's definitely for this niche audience. Yeah. So and and it's a, a little less grounded, yeah. Yeah, I've 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 heard as much that that this time that the that the audience is a little bit more more narrow. Um, yeah. Which, you know, honestly, not always the best thing, but you know. No, but you know what I I feel like for the audience that they have, it is so perfect for it, and I think other people can enjoy it too. Because like, I mean, uh, my husband's favorite character was the dad. Like, and I feel like any dad in the audience is like, oh, yep, that's exactly how my wife is. Or, oh, my goodness, why do I have daughters? You know, like, <laughs> I, I think there's something very relatable there. Well, too. I can so, tell you why you have daughters, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's actually your doing. <laughs> I mean, more like a, why me? You know? <laughs> oh, heaven's sakes. Yeah, so. Um, but, All right, um, so, so how many stars then? How many stars are you giving this thing? This is why I never add stars to my to my thing. Cause like, <laughs> for me, it's like you know what? For a, a fun little date night for someone who might be you know in my demographic, like um, four and a half stars. Like I think I think it's just so solid, so fun. But like, do I think anyone who's not a member of the church is going to enjoy it as much? Probably not. Um, there there are issues with the budget that I talked about in my review online. Yeah. Um, because they had to be more selective with their budget is kind of what it felt like. Um, okay. But I, I do think that this should be a part of the Young Women curriculum because I think every girl needs to be prepared for engagement in the kind of climate we grow up in where it's like this is actually more like how it is. You know, sometimes we kind of skip over the stuff where it's like dating, 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 and marriage, marriage, marriage. But it's like, you know, this is kind of a very important time. Um, my engagement was some months long we were living in two different cities there were you know a lot of things that I wish I knew and I think this movie like I related it to it so much because it it talked about those things and um, I, I really like the educational side of it um, and, and and it's just fun you know it's it's not like amazing Hollywood the cinematography and you know this is gonna win an Oscar but like it's fun and it, it nails a lot of things with with uh, this culture. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Well, I think that makes a nice transition into our review section for the podcast today. Um, we've got a couple new movies to talk about, and uh, well, one of which has been in the in the theaters for about a week now. The other one is just coming out this weekend. It is the Suicide Squad. Emphasis on the because <laughs> the uh, one and only wink well, wink but not that's the funny thing right <laughs> is that it's not and that's what is so strange and unique and fascinating and hilarious about this whole situation because uh this as much as i can think of is a movie that exists almost exclusively as a do over like i technically it is a sequel It's not a remake. It's not a reboot, really. But it's definitely, like, it's what I'd call a Um, do-over. So did you see the first Suicide Squad from five years ago, the 2016 one? You know, it's funny. I was actually really excited for it to come out. I liked the trailer. Like, I thought, oh, this is a great idea, right? Right. And um, I, I didn't end up going to theaters the first week. And then by, you know, the end of 
that first week and the into word the second was out. week. Word was yeah, out. And I right, was like, you know what? Right. I do not want to spend my money on that. No, right? I I think I would say that Suicide Squad was the most disappointing movie of 2016 for me personally. I mm. saw what was probably the same trailer you did and thought, oh, wow, this looks like it could be a lot of fun. It's kind of this... You know they're bad guys, but it's kind of funny, and it's and it's Great kind cast. of dark, and yeah, and this cool cast. Yeah. And then I saw the movie, and just what was that? That was <laughs> not like there was humor in it, but it felt shoehorned in, which is logical because that's what actually happened. Um, I mean, my my really stripped down understanding of the situation was that, you know. Warner Brothers hired a company to put together a trailer for the movie and they put together this trailer that completely changed the tone and feel and concept and made it seem like this humorous kind of crazy macabre thing but the movie wasn't that and so they went in after the fact to try to make it funny so it would match the expectations of the trailer and we just got this this mess and yeah. I just remember being so disappointed uh, of course, The Suicide Squad is it, it is a sequel to that movie. Like a lot of the same characters and the same actors have uh, continued over. Okay. Um, but it is very clearly a attempt to to get it right, so to speak, because because of the problems with with the first one, mm-hmm. um, and so. I think the main way that they have done that is they brought in James Gunn to be the director this time, who you may know as the director of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. And Oh, so it's kind of matching that same tone. Well, and you know, you, you could you can check your facts and in, in your history to see if I'm right, but I believe that this happened while Gunn was on the outs with Marvel when when they had uh, he had gotten into trouble for some tweets or some, you know, some social media posts from long ago, and and he had been removed from the third Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and so he went over and was hired by Warner Brothers to do the Suicide Squad, and then of course afterwards, now he's back on Guardians of the Galaxy, so he's, you know, uh, he's making movies for for all the comic book franchises, <laughs> and uh, anyway, it boils down to this. The Suicide Squad, the 2021 version, uh, definitely better than 2016 Suicide Squad. Can you imagine if it was worse? But. What that would have done? But, (laughs) hold on. Oh, no. Still not a good movie. Um, Oh, no. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I don't know. Uh, They just can't nail that. You know, and it's weird because I like the concept. I really like the idea. You know, oh, it's, yeah. it's basically it's basically like a superhero dirty dozen, right? Mm, the idea of you, yeah. you've got all these all these criminals, and they're basically teamed up against their will and kind of obligated to go on these missions, and and it should be this really fun thing that that is just really cool, right? But yeah, they're just you know. And I don't know. I don't know if I can if I can point the finger at DC because DC's made some good movies. They've you know I, mm-hmm. you know the Wonder Woman movie was good and I, I enjoyed Aquaman and 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 I've been more forgiving of some of their some of their movies. I, I really liked Shazam. I thought Shazam was a lot of fun. Oh, I love that um, one. Yeah. But yeah, but with this they just haven't got it yet. And but bef- maybe before I break down though, just just in terms of I mean the concept is the same, right? So you've got these these criminals that have various quirks and powers and and they they basically get teamed up and offered okay well if you go on this mission for us you know the government's telling them, if you go on this mission for us we're going to knock 10 years off your sentence or whatever um, but if you try to desert we're going to blow you up because they've all got you know they're all connected to these remote bombs that uh, viola davis can can trigger at any given moment <laughs> um and uh and and so this time, they've got a mission to go to this island nation that has uh, just experienced like a, a, a political coup kind of overthrow thing, and the new people in charge uh, can't be trusted um, because I guess that like the previous administration was uh, was friendly to the United States, um, but this new one is not, um, which is a problem because they've they're 
they're overseeing this secret project called Operation Starfish. And if Operation Starfish gets loose, it's just, you know, game over for everybody. And so so now that there's a possibility of this this project uh, getting unleashed, and I, I don't I don't want to say much about Operation Starfish because it's the thing in the movie that I really actually kind of enjoyed the most. And I think it mm. is, if you want to see the movie, it's worth waiting for. So I'll be very vague and ambiguous when I discuss it. But um, basically the mission comes down to you're going to storm this little Central American island and and overthrow this this new leadership and and try to uh, get control of this this operation. And so you know, and this this happens early in the movie, so this is much of a spoiler. But but kind of the early twist is that the Suicide Squad actually is divided into two groups, and the first group is made up of a lot of the characters from the first movie and they're actually the distraction for the second group which kind of sneaks in in a little more clandestine fashion. Um, the long and short of it is that uh, Harley Quinn, you know, Margot Robbie mm-hmm. um, and uh, Joel Kinnaman who's uh, Colonel Flagg I think is his character's name, they were both in the original Suicide Squad and they wind up teaming up with this, this second group. Um, made up of like the new people for this movie, like John Cena is in it, um, and there are, you know there's a few other different characters. Uh, uh, Idris Elba plays basically a stand-in character for the Will Smith character because, because, and again, I mean, like you can you know check my facts here, but uh, so Idris Elba plays Bloodsport, who is a stand-in for Will Smith's Deadshot from the mm-hmm. first movie because Will Smith couldn't come back for this one, but he might come back in the future. And so they're basically having this other blood sport character be a placeholder. And it's really weird because it's like, it's the exact same character. Just well, with that's a why I name. was thinking it was like a remake yeah. because no, I just figured like, right. Oh, well, instead of having Will Smith, we have Idris Elba right. playing and, the same and exact it character. And it is a perfect, it is a perfect illustration of what is wrong with this movie. It's just a mess. Oh. It's, it's just, so, so anyway, the long and short of it is that, you know, the, kind of this new core team gets together. Um, they, they are effectively, and this becomes even more poignant, you know, now that James Gunn is at the helm, they are very much the guardians of the galaxy of the DC universe. You know, they're, albeit, you know, it's not, they're not out in outer space, they're, they're terrestrial. Mm-hmm. But the idea is the same. It's kind of supposed to be this kind of funny, quirky, dark, uh, you know, Motley Crue, because because Guardians of the Galaxy, I mean, they're criminals as well, right? I mean, they were all yeah. effectively bad guys who kind of came together and are starting to do good things, um, and that's that's basically what's going on with the Suicide Squad, and it's just not, you know, oh gosh, I mean, it, it I don't know. There there are some things I really did like. Like I said, the 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 Operation Starfish thing. The more you find out about that, and that that's kind of responsible for the finale mm-hmm. uh, once you get there. Um, but otherwise it's almost kind of like this, you know, apocalypse now like journey is there, you know, they land on the beach and they're making their way to the, the capital city to square off with the new military leader and all this kind of thing. And, and there are just a lot of subplots and a lot of kind of parallel threads. So every once in a while it will cut back to like the government home base where Viola Davis is kind of running the show and, and mm-hmm. you realize, oh yeah, those people are there too. And it's, there's, there's just so much going on that you have these transitions and it's like, oh yeah, this is happening also. And that's never, that's never good. Right. Mm-hmm. You, and, and I realized that it's not always fair to just compare one movie directly to another, but when you bring James Gunn in, they're obviously doing that because they wanted him to put his signature style on Suicide Squad the way he did with Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. And and he has. Like, his humor is much more apparent. There's there's more of a style and a swagger to it this time that, that works better. It's, it's, there, it's more funny. Not that it had to be, but at the same time, it also exposes 
the ways that Suicide Squad does not measure up to Guardians of the Galaxy. Namely, that there's really no focus in terms of character. It's just kind of all over the place, whereas Guardians of the Galaxy was still about, you know, the Chris Pratt, Peter Quill character. Mm-hmm. And and the story is just kind of a story. It's not really connected to some kind of greater thing like, you know, tracking down the Infinity Stones or whatever. Um, it's also, I mean, it's very R-rated. It's It's got... Uh, you know, there's a lot of graphic violence that most of the time is played for laughs. I mean, it's it's usually meant to be meant to be funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also, you know, it's I don't know. It's it's really tough to describe. But but there are times when profanity seems natural, and there are times when it feels like the characters are just using profanity because they just want to be as shocking and harsh as possible. Yeah. And and it's distracting. And that's that's the way it feels here. It, 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 I guess forced. It just feels forced. Like they're trying and, to get that R rating by being as vulgar yeah, as possible. Right, right. Um, and and then there I mean there's also some some uh, graphic nudity that uh, I think more sensitive audiences will definitely want to avoid. So Fair. you know, but not not just that the R rating is what ruins it. I, I think far from it. I mean I, I think that like I said, some of the comic violence, I mean, it, it's it's played for laughs, and you know, you can get kind of a a laugh out of it. But just as messy as the movie is, and and it just still doesn't quite strike that rhythm that you know. And I, and I don't know, maybe I guess this is just inevitable that the DC and Marvel movies are going to be compared until the end of time. But mm-hmm. but where the Marvel movies all feel like they're on the same page. DC, it just doesn't feel like they've hit that stride even after all these years. And and Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad, feels like another example of that. Um, so yeah, so I I felt like this was kind of you know in the two two and a half star out of four range. Yeah. Um, and I was disappointed because I I felt like oh well you know we'll get James Gunn on on board with this thing and. We'll get the movie we should have got five years ago, and unfortunately, it's it's better, but still not good. Okay, that's fair. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I no, 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 no. It's okay. I'm trying to. I have to. I I do want to say that, you know, since we started this podcast, yeah, it feels like that's kind of been the consistent <laughs> vibe with a lot of these releases, you know. Yeah. And so, so I will say that I did see a movie that I liked. Oh. Um, unfortunately, I think we're going to have to wait and cover it in the next episode okay. <laughs> because it's not coming out for another week. Um, in the meantime, we can talk about Jungle Cruise, which has been out for about a week or so now. And once again, and I didn't actually realize this at the time. I found this afterwards, and I guess this is just because I didn't grow up going to Disneyland all the time. But I guess Jungle Cruise is another ride adaptation, and which which we can't completely snicker at anymore because Pirates of the Caribbean was pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the sequels are a little more debatable. Um, but, uh, but that the first, first one was solid. Yeah, well, the yeah. first one was a lot of fun. The first one was a lot of fun. Um, I wish I could say that Jungle Cruise was as good. Uh, it's definitely not as good. Um, I wrestled with this one quite a bit because I went in expecting it to be fun. I mean, I didn't think it was going to be like the greatest movie in the world, but I kind of in, kind of went in anticipating that, oh, well, it's got The Rock and it's got uh, Emily Blunt and you know, it's a just a you know big budget Disney production. This ought to be this ought to be good. Mm-hmm. And I guess I would say it is at best good with a lowercase g. Um, like it, fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe fine would be a better <laughs> term. Uh, sad, sad to say, it it kind of it felt like going through the motions and 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 maybe maybe a good way to describe it is this is what you would expect a movie adapted from a amusement park ride to feel like like there just wasn't a lot of substance to it mm. um i would shudder to think of what this movie would be without the rock and without emily blunt <laughs> um because even with them it just seemed very forgettable um I, I think that you you know you come away from this movie and you know in the years to come you'll remember that they were in it, but you won't remember a whole lot else. Um, the whole it's it's a it's a quest, right? It's mm-hmm. a it's a search for there. I guess there is a mythic tree in uh, hidden in the Amazon River uh, down in Brazil that is supposed to have these uh, 
mystical qualities where if you if you eat one of the petals you can you know you can live forever and be immortal and all this kind of thing uh, so it's kind of rooted in this uh, you know kind of classic adventure history of because uh, it starts it looks like the conquistadors are are searching for this this tree and and you know, wind up getting cursed instead and, and all this kind of thing. And then fast forward to the future. And, and well, this is actually, so, so this is, the movie actually takes place during World War One. This is kind of the, uh, you know, early, early 20th century. And Emily Blunt plays this, uh, this doctor. She's a botanist. And she has, you know, she believes that this tree is real, but she's struggling to get her fellow scientists to, to support her, efforts to go find it partially because they think it's just kind of a crazy story but also because she's a woman and so there's there's a real strong theme about uh kind of uh women's empowerment which which is appropriate because it's set during kind of the women's suffrage yeah uh yeah uh kind of first wave feminism and then she winds up bringing and so she's got her brother who's uh, played by jack whitehall who's a, a british comedian if you've watched him on netflix he does this series called travels with my father which is really really funny oh fun um yeah more more fun than this movie unfortunately oh. <laughs> um but yeah so so she and her brother wind up going down to the amazon they they're able to find this artifact that is kind of the key to starting the journey um and then the artifact is also being pursued by this German who's played by uh, Jesse Plemons, who is the, uh, uh, well, I know him from Friday Night Lights, the TV series, but he's also been in, he's also been in Breaking Bad. He's also been in, uh, uh, he was in a really funny movie, kind of underrated movie from a couple of years ago called Game Night. Um, I love Game Night, yeah. Yeah, right. So, so he, was, he was the cop next door. The creepy, oh, kind of the weird. Oh my gosh, right. so really? He plays, yes, so he plays <sighs> this, this kind of bizarro German semi-military leader who is, you know, thinking that if he gets a hold of this tree, that he can he can rule for generations to come. Mm-hmm. And I like I, I want to say, I think they said that he's like the grandson of the Kaiser or something like that. I, I can't remember exactly what it was. Um, and so so he's chasing after them. They're trying to find the tree, and and in the process, they wind up recruiting Dwayne Johnson, who is this down on his luck tour guide living in brazil taking tourists on on boat trips around the amazon and 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 i think like the best part of the movie sad to say is just the awful array of puns that (laughs) that dwayne johnson uses during his uh, his tours you know because when we first meet him he's giving one of these tours and he's just saying these you know i should have written some of them down because they're they're just dad jokes galore. Although to and, be uh, fair, I heard that that was a huge plus in adapting the ride because that's a big aspect to the ride. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, and that's and that was fun. Like I, I enjoyed that part of it. Yeah. And it was it was weird because I wanted to like this movie. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm halfway through it and I'm thinking, "Oh, you know, I want to give this a positive review." Mm-hmm. But then something else would happen and I'd be like, "Oh, can't come on on. and so by the end it was you know this wasn't a terrible movie but it just it just wasn't that good it just didn't really you know didn't do it for me there you know they try to have some kind of twists and turns but they really don't land and and it's just by the end of it just think gosh there just really wasn't a lot of substance to that there really wasn't you know they kind of would kind of plug in some action sequences here and there and i mean some of the cgi was really fun Mm -hmm. uh the because the the Jesse Plemons, the, the Kaiser Kaiser's grandson character, is one antagonist, but then there's also kind of like these supernatural, uh, well, these supernatural conquistadors that come back from the dead, and they're they're trying to get to the tree as well. Um, and some of the CGI with them is really great, but at the same time, uh, there's also the CGI leopard thing that is supposed to be Dwayne Johnson's sidekick, and it looks awful. It's just like it's really, really bad, and so it's distracting sometimes because you know, like I mentioned, that one of the themes is is Emily Blunt's uh, protagonist. You know, she's kind of fighting against sexism, mm-hmm. but then there are these other examples of where it. If you notice this, sometimes there's a, there's a tendency to want to set a film in a historic period but have those characters act like they live in the 21st century. 
as yeah. far as their their concerns and their their ideologies and their you know this kind of thing, because you know the the Emily Blunt character is also like really hung up on animals being in cages, and she's always referencing it, and you're just thinking, I don't think she would have cared about that very much in 1918 mm-hmm. or whenever this is taking place, right? And yeah. so it's it's the kind of thing that okay, well, audiences will, you know, they might relate to that now, but 20 years from now, they're going to watch this movie and think, oh, yeah, that definitely came out in 2021 because, you know, this character is hung up on this even though this was 100 years ago. And, yeah. you know, and so it's it just it just adds up to something that, that doesn't quite fit. and And it was disappointing because... I love, you know, Dwayne Johnson, I think in in almost every case he adds to whatever movie he is in and Emily Blunt has been awesome in pretty much everything I've seen her in. I'm even going back to uh uh oh my gosh, what's the Oh, the what was the one with Steve Carell? Oh, Dan in Real Life. Dan in Real Life. Yeah. That's so so I didn't she realize played, that came out Emily, so yeah, Long ago, right? Dang. Well, it was like t- 2007. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Dead on. So yes, yeah, so, so she's in that, and she's in the Adjustment Bureau, and yeah, you know, obviously the Quiet Place movie. And by the way, I saw Quiet Place too, which maybe we'll have think? to talk about it. But another, oh, I, yeah, I really liked it. Okay, really liked good. It. Um, but yeah, Jungle Cruise, pff, no good. <laughs> but it wasn't like the fault of the actors necessarily. Like oh, if no, anything, they kind of not at all helped a little. But no, it was it was weak material. Oh. It just there there just wasn't enough substance to to make it work. And yeah, so just just a disappointment. Yeah, but, you know, life goes on. I've I've heard that the story was kind of a bit of a. A mess, like, just throwing things in. Yeah. So do you think, like, the lack of substance made them feel like they were adding in a lot of things? Like, just to try to give it something? Well, okay, so this this is going to turn into a bit of a segue. Okay. Um, you're watching this movie, and you're spending most of the time thinking about other better movies that do similar things. Oof. Um, which... You know, I always I always feel like, oh, maybe this isn't totally fair. You know, I shouldn't be comparing every movie that comes along to the best version of that same genre, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm watching this movie, and I'm thinking about Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I'm thinking, this movie is no Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm. You know, because it's it's got the whole, you know, we got like the little, the little trinket from history that is going to be kind of the starting piece towards the quest for this other thing, right? You know, because mm-hmm. you had to have... Marion's medallion in order to go to the map room and figure out where the well of the souls was, where they built the Ark of the, where they buried the Ark of the Covenant, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so Jungle Cruise has this little arrowhead thing that is supposed to help you locate the place in the Amazon River where they've got the the tree that gives immortality. And so it's kind of this similar type of a, adventure, you know mystery type thing like the treasure and, hunt kind of thing to thing right right sort of. well and at the same time i mean it's like yeah obviously it's a disney movie and so the tone is not going to be like Raiders of the lost ark it's not going to be as dark it's not going to be as serious mm-hmm. it's going to be much more lighthearted. it's going to be more kid friendly although i think this is still a pg-13 movie um which again you know maybe that's another discussion for another time oh wow yeah um, you're right it is pg-13 yeah which was which was surprising because it, it doesn't really come across as a very hard pg-13 it's it's pretty soft mm-hmm. in uh, in terms of content but uh um yeah so i'm thinking of that and i'm thinking okay well maybe it's more like the mummy right because the mummy was kind of like the poor man's version of Raiders of the lost ark but even the mummy i think had more going for it than than jungle cruise and and so you know, it wants to be part of this same action adventure, ancient, you know, ancient mystery genre, but it's just out of its league. It really is. And yeah. and I don't know if it's because it's based on a ride. I don't know if it's because they just didn't have an interesting enough story, um, which is too bad. I mean, I it's funny. One of the, one of the conquistadors uh, is Aguirre, this this historical figure who who actually. Werner Herzog uh, made one of his first movies about this guy. It's called uh, Aguirre, The Wrath of God. And it's like this classic art art house movie from the 70s that's just, <laughs> you know, 
pretty intense. But and so it was kind of weird seeing like the Disney version of this character, <laughs> who was uh, Klaus Kinski played him in in the Herzog movie. And wow, just you know, if you want to kind of go off on a real crazy tangent, um, but uh, but yeah, just I I think that it's going to be really really hard. Uh, unless you're just kind of a kid who's detaching and, and honestly, like I wouldn't just say, Oh, it's fine. Cause the kids will love it. Cause they don't know any better. Like I've never felt like that's a very good argument for a, for a, yeah. an, an inferior movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my, my feeling is hey, you know, if they're telling you to go pay money for this, they need to earn your money. And, and I just didn't feel like jungle cruise was really bringing what it should have. Um, they had a lot of good elements in place, you know, uh, but it just didn't really, didn't really come together. And and not a t- it wasn't bad, you know. Like I th- I think you, you you use the word fine. You know, I yeah. think that's probably the the most accurate way to describe it. Yeah, movie's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's uh, you know. Like if you're bored one day and you happen to be on Disney Plus and you know uh-huh. it's it's free to stream. Right. That might be right. fun. Yeah. I if if there's very little sacrifice involved, and th- and that would be a, a perfectly acceptable way. Of, of approaching it, um, yeah. which is which is far less than I could say for the next movie I want to talk about, which uh, actually is going to introduce a new segment for the Utah Film Pod. Now, the funny thing about this new segment is I don't actually have a name for it yet, and so, <laughs> I, Danny, I would I would love to hear your thoughts, and if anybody watching has any suggestions, I I would totally be open to this because what I want to do is I once per episode I want to feature one film and it I wouldn't even necessarily say classic film it doesn't even have to be good just some kind of a film that either was filmed in Utah or is about Utah or references Utah in some way just just some some example of how Utah has kind of made its mark in you know in the world of film and and so I don't know exactly what to call it yet. I mean, it could just be something as simple as the the featured Utah film or the Utah movie of the episode, which just sounds awful. But but the idea... <laughs> we'll make it as long and yeah. convoluted as possible. Well, gosh, yeah. And, and that might be the way we go because, you know, it's just what's going to make sense. But um, but I think that, that the concept will become more clear once we talk about the movie that I want to use to kind of kick off this this featured mm-hmm. segment. Um, which is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, so we were just talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark, and, uh, and I think Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which was the third movie in the trilogy, because it's just a trilogy and there wasn't a fourth movie that never happened. Um, <laughs> Someone's in denial. <laughs> that's very much so. Um, so, so Last Crusade, I believe up. it came out in 1989. Um, and if you're paying attention, and if you're, you're from Utah or spend any time in southern Utah, uh, the opening titles are are presented over a montage of some really famous Southern Utah uh, iconic sites. Um, specifically, almost exclusively, I want to say in Archer's National Park. Um, yeah. Was this is correct? So, because I remember seeing uh, Balanced Rock uh, very prominently, like the you know, because at the beginning of the, it's right, it's this throwback to Indiana Jones' childhood when he's a He's a teenager. He's a, he's in the Boy Scouts, and he's out on this trip, and he and all of his friends are out. You know, they're all on horseback, and this is where he discovers this. I think it was the Cross of Coronado that kind of leads to one of his first adventures. And as they're out on this scout trip, they're kind of wandering through Southern Utah. And, and I, I remember thinking at one point that they also go through Monument Valley, but I don't believe they do. I think it's just in Arches because you see Balanced Rock, um, and then there's they they approach uh, Double Arch. Mm-hmm. which is where the cave is. And I don't believe there's actually a cave there. I've been there a few times myself, and I, there, I, don't, I think the cave was just kind of inserted later. Yeah. Um, but that's no where the cave, came. no cross of Coronado, what? Uh, it's not in arches, maybe somewhere else. <laughs> you know, uh, it, might, it might be in this, uh, this Hollywood studio somewhere in, yeah. in Los Angeles. <laughs> um, but uh, no, and so, so, you know, just a real prominent just a fantastic feature of a couple places. I mean, I've, uh, I've spent a lot more time photographing balanced rock than double arch. Um, but man, and, and this is speaking as somebody who, who's a, a big, big fan, but I would almost say that arches is my favorite national park in Utah, if not mm-hmm. even, you know, 
just in general. Um, such a cool, cool place. And and if you if you watch that opening segment from from Last Crusade, uh, it's just a different world. It's it's like you're on Mars. It's crazy. <laughs> but you've seen the movie. Of course. No, I'm I'm so glad you brought up Indiana Jones with Jungle Cruise because like. The whole reason why I'm interested in seeing Jungle Cruise is because of the the style and the look of it just seems so Indiana Jones and I I can't get enough of that style because like that that was my trilogy growing up like I watched those movies so many times and then like they were so because, good yeah and because I knew them by heart that's when I started watching like behind the scenes and then I realized uh -huh. like oh there's this whole world to filmmaking and that's why I'm into it today you know yeah. There was a kid, so one of the kids, and my gosh, this was, so this was when I was in college at the University of Utah. I remember going to a party and, and meeting a kid who was part of that, that scout group. Like oh, he, no way. His, I guess I guess he grew up in southern Utah, and so when Spielberg came through to, to film those opening scenes, he wound up getting recruited to come ride his horse with these other kids and so they got to spend a day or two you know getting directed by Steven Spielberg and he you know he showed us a picture of him with the you know with the director and all this kind of thing but uh I wish I could remember his name <laughs> but uh okay. no just just a fun just a really really great way to I in terms of showcasing what's cool about you know my home state Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade is easily one of the first and best examples to spring to mind. Oh, yeah. Um, although, and this, again, you know, I, I keep hinting about, like, potential subjects for down the road. I would say that as much as I love Last Crusade, it's not as good as Raiders. I still think Raiders is easily the best one. And I, I only say that because I've heard people who've had the different, the, the opposite opinion sometimes who think yeah. that Last Crusade is best. Yeah, and Raiders Raiders is my favorite. I think I just there's something so fun and classic and just very yeah. new and fresh about it. But I can see the argument. When we were talking about um Suicide Squad, you know, and how mm -hmm. there's not this central character or centra central idea outside of, yeah. you know, the main conflict, um mm -hmm. I think that is a huge strength to Last Crusade because it's all about that father-son relationship, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like Sean Connery, the the movie is not the same without Sean Connery as as the dad, you know, mm -hmm. and um and I think the whole movie is actually about that. That's why we start in Arches on that Boy Scout trip, and um, right. it's like, Dad, Dad, you gotta help me out, and he's just not listening because he's <laughs> obsessed with count count to ten in Greek. That's that's how I'm gonna <laughs> just go in go in your room and be really really educated and don't bother me. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. No, exactly. No and, no, and that, you know, that kind of brings back to, you know, as, as we think about what we've been talking about in today's episode, there's, there's definitely a theme both in, in Jungle Cruise and in, you know, the new Suicide Squad where, you know, you definitely left feeling like, well, there are parts of this that are good, but, you know, I just think that this other one did it better, you know, yeah. and whether that's Guardians of the Galaxy, whether that's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, you know, whether that's Last Crusade, there's there's just kind of, and I, I think about this in terms of music too, because I'm a big big music fan, and mm -hmm. and I, I know that sometimes people get really excited because oh, so and so did a cover of this classic song, and it's oh, it sounds so good, and then I'll listen to that cover and I'll think oh, it just makes me want to go listen to the first one, mm -hmm. you know, it, it doesn't, it's nice that they did it, but you know, I mean, I remember it's it's kind of funny, but like I remember listening to Michael Bublé. And and at first kind of feeling, oh, well, it's really cool that he's kind of keeping this old style tradition alive. It's kind of this Sinatra crooner type thing. Yeah. But then at the same time, I'll listen to his, his versions of a Sinatra song and I'll think, well, that just makes me want to go listen to the Sinatra version. And you then know? you go and, and listen to Sinatra instead. Yeah. And, and like Suicide Squad just kind of made me think, oh, you know, I this makes me feel like watching the better James Gunn movies, you know, because mm -hmm. it's that same style, but it's better, you know, and and... And Jungle Cruise, it's got some things going for it, but it just makes me think about how how tremendously superior Raiders of the Lost Ark is. And you know, and, and in its defense, I mean, 
yeah, Raiders was this incredible movie, but it was meant to be a salute to these campy, cheesy, you know, action movies yeah. from decades past. And so, yeah, it's and, and so I don't know. I think I think there's a thin line between being a tribute to something where you're kind of nodding to the great things of the past and just reminding people that there are better options out there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this is making me wonder now, because like anytime I do think of a tribute, um, it it really, I think it does become distracting because I feel like the new movies coming out that I really enjoy are ones that are completely original, like A a Quiet Mm -hmm. Place. It it feels very unique. Right. And I love that, especially in a world where we see all these sequels and reboots and everything. Mm-hmm. We kind of crave that originality. So, you know, is that a well, good idea? Well, but that's the funny thing. Well, that's that's the funny thing, though, is the answer to that question is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Because mm-hmm. it was trying to be a tribute to something beforehand, and it, it exceeded it in every way to the point mm. where it almost kind of ruined action movies going forward. <laughs> but, yeah. No, it's. I mean, that's. I think that's really kind of the funny thing about it is that, you know, or, or even, gosh, I mean, maybe something like Airplane, you know, which, <laughs> which is a satire of the disaster movies of the '70s, mm-hmm. but is what really kind of, you know, pretty much created its own genre. You know, kind of like the there's there's a very particular style, and you know, gosh, I, you know, this may be something we could delve into more deeply when we have more time, but. Mm-hmm. You know, I would airplane would be another one that I would think that would that was created as a nod to something else, even though it was a parody or satire, which is different than what I think Jungle Cruise or you know certainly what Suicide Squad is trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of being a riff on an existing thing, but creating something of your own in the process, yeah. airplane Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, those uh, those awesome movies I grew up with. That's that's what's bringing in mind. So any final thoughts for uh, for episode number three, or you think we got this thing tied off? I I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really good about this. Excellent. Um, well, we've yeah. uh, we've covered some good ground, and uh, and and this time around, I actually kind of have a sense of what might be coming too. So I can. The one thing I can tease is that uh, I will be able to talk about a movie that I liked that came out. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> We can get positive, Josh. <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's got to happen every every few episodes, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us. This has been a lot of fun. This has been episode three of the Utah Film Pod. Be sure to uh, leave comments, give us feedback. We'd let you, we'd love to know what you what you think. And if you have ideas for things you'd like us to talk about, or including potential titles for our featured Utah film segment, just let us know. And in the meantime. Enjoy your August. <laughs> Enjoy those last moments of summer. That's right. <laughs>